Our scripture reading this morning comes um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Let us listen for God's word for us together this day. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, and someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the Spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together, but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I don't know about you, but for me, there is some comfort to be found in recognizing that our tendency to divide into camps, to see the world in terms of us versus them, is nothing new, but has likely always been a part of our human reality. As we find ourselves less than 48 hours away from Election Day 2020, these tendencies are on full display. Just as they were nearly 2,000 years ago amongst the Christian disciples from Corinth. In his introduction to this book of the Bible, Eugene Peterson names this truth. When people become Christians, they don't at the same, time, at the same moment become nice. This always comes as something of a surprise. Conversion to Christ and his ways doesn't automatically furnish a person with impeccable manners and suitable morals. Which is part of why people can become really disappointed and disillusioned with the church. When they find it and its people don't look all that different from the world outside. In Corinth, Paul spent a year and a half serving as the pastor for this group of Christians new to the faith, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to them and helping show them how they live that good news in community with one another. Then he went on his way to do the same in other communities and churches. He writes the letter we are reading from today after he hears that things in the Corinthian church have more or less fallen apart. One of the root causes of that unraveling was the factions that had developed in the community that were getting in the way of the community's growth as different groups aligned themselves with different leaders, teachers, or spiritual mentors. Paul writes to address these divisions head on. Some were claiming that they belonged to Paul, while others claimed that they belonged to a fellow leader, Apollos. Paul writes to correct this unhelpful and destructive alignment into different camps by reminding the people of Corinth that they do not belong to Paul or Apollos alone, but instead that they all, 
Paul and Apollos included, belong to God. There's been some really interesting neuroscience research done to try and understand this human tendency of ours to define people as outsiders or insiders over and against ourselves. It was actually in the lead-up to the 2016 election that Nayef Al-Rodin, a fellow at Oxford University, wrote the article, Us Versus Them, How Neurophilosophy Explains Our Divided Politics. In it, he explains that our urgency to barricade oneself from outsiders or intruders is largely based on fear and ancestral predispositions, which regard belonging to a tribe, a group, or family as pivotal to survival and reproduction. He goes on to share that studies have revealed that the distinction between us versus them occurs in the prefrontal cortex. There, we normally distinguish someone as being an outsider or part of our group within 170 thousandths of a second from the moment we see them. This instantaneous bias occurs subconsciously and is linked to a primordial hard wiring. When we encounter someone new, we make a judgment about whether they are part of our us or if they are a them within 170 thousandths of a second in less than 2.2 seconds. What is also fascinating is that once we make that distinction in our brain, we then analyze the person further but that process occurs in different sections of our brain, depending on whether we have named them an us or a them. Once we make that initial split-second judgment, we then judge differently based upon which camp we place people. We are wired for in-group favoritism and out-of-group devaluation. When we are judging someone we have deemed an outsider, the neurons in our brain that are responsible for empathy are literally turned off. It's our brain's defense mechanism to help us resist making emotional connections to those we have judged as an outsider and therefore as a threat to us. Well, we have all this hard wiring and automatic processes that occur in our brains, the good news is that we are not powerless to them. As Al Rodin states in his article, while the human brain presents primordial predispositions carried through millennia of evolution, it is also incredible, incredibly malleable and plastic. Rather than painting a grim picture, we should think of neuroscience as a discipline that can help us overcome roadblocks in our societies. An example of this was another study that focused on racial bias by mapping the brain's response to white and black faces. When a person was shown a black face for only 30 milliseconds, it triggered the area of the brain where fear is felt and processed. However, when the same face was shown for a longer period of time, 525 milliseconds, different areas of the brain got to work that are associated with inhibition and control. With more time to process, the brain began working to reflectively process the information control unwanted biases, and confront them with egalitarian beliefs and norms. While we have hardwired instincts that are primordial, our brains can be shaped and changed by our experiences and environments. 
when we take in the shift that occurs in the difference between 30 milliseconds to 525 milliseconds, can you imagine what might be possible in a five-minute conversation or an hour spent over a cup of coffee or an afternoon spent serving with one another side by side? When we cross the lines that normally divide us, when we are brave enough to get out of the trenches we have holed up in and venture out into some middle ground, the people we have flattened with our labels, our categories, whether they be political, racial, socioeconomic, religious, or something else, those people suddenly get filled out. The whole flesh and blood person arises before us in all their beauty and complexity, and we get to know them for who they are, the one-of-a-kind child of God who is so much more than any category we could put them in or label we could stick them with. We feel God calling us to create an environment here on these eight acres where those five-minute conversations or that cup of coffee or that afternoon spent working together can occur between people who don't think alike or look alike or come from the same backgrounds or have the same experiences. We feel God calling us to create a community here and the space that exists between, in between all these camps, in between all these dividing lines. We feel God calling us to create an outpost of the kingdom, the realm of God, we're community that is beloved, community where all are seen and known as God's beloved can flourish. As our scripture reminds us today, we are all God's co-workers and we are also all God's field. There is planting and watering and weed pulling to do in each of us and in all of us. It is work we are called to do together. But in the end, it will be the same for us as it was 2,000 years ago for the people of Corinth. There is work for us to do, but it will be our God who makes it grow. Y'all, there are going to be all kinds of opportunities over the next days to label and to judge. To let those centers of our brain that process fear have a little party as we participate in and watch this election unfold. Do everything you can to resist these tendencies that are hardwired in us. Make yourself look closer or longer until you can see the humanity in the other and begin the hard work of trying to understand someone who is different than you. It is easier so much easier to label people, to dismiss people, to assume they are just wrong or evil or ignorant or delusional, and that you are the opposite of all of those things. That is easier. But it is also incredibly destructive. And those tendencies, these camps, these dividing lines, they are what are keeping us stuck unable to solve the problems that are plaguing our nation and world today, unable to be good stewards of that with which we have been entrusted. And y'all, 
We have been entrusted with so much, so much that is so incredibly precious. Do not forget who you are. Above and beyond anything else, you belong to God. And it is because we belong to God that we also know that we belong to each other. It is because of both of those truths that we have important work to do as God's co-workers. There are weeds to pull and seeds to plant and water to unleash as we care for what we have been given. The life, the bountiful, precious, abundant, beautiful life that by the power and grace of our God exists on our planet, grows in our homes, and fills our days. However these days unfold before us, do not forget who you are. Do not forget to whom you belong. There is no us. There is no them. We, we belong to God. We, we belong to each other. Amen.